to WPCast, the professional WordPress podcast for WordPress entrepreneurs. I'm Doug. And I'm David. This is episode 13, our top nine tools for managing software projects. Let's move on to the change log. Doug, what has been happening? So uh, I recently went to this uh, podcast movement conference. It was pretty interesting. The first time I've gone to a podcasting conference and I made a lot of good networking connections. So I was really happy I went and definitely considering going back next year, depending on where I am in the world. That was a lot of fun. So that was uh, Austin, right? Uh, it was in Dallas, actually. So oh. uh, not, not too far from Austin. Somewhere in Texas. Yeah. The next one is going to be in Fort Worth, which is uh, right next to Dallas. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to keep an eye out and mark, mark the date off in my calendar. So that's going to be next year? Yeah, next year around around the same time. It's in early August. Next year, I'll have a lot more podcasting experience, and you know, possibly even sponsored, depending on you know if I yeah. go and uh, how everything's going at that point. I think that's the first podcasting conference that I've ever heard of, right? Yeah, I think they have. Uh, I think there's smaller conferences, and maybe uh, there's like a new media expo. I think is the big one, which isn't specifically about podcasting. But when I was talking to a lot of the people, they've a lot of them have gone to these other conferences, and it's kind of a you know brand new world to me. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know that there was all this stuff going on before. Interesting. How how big was it? There were several hundred attendees. I don't remember the exact number. I want to say eight hundred that bought tickets and six hundred that showed up or something like that. Oh wow! That's, uh, so it's pretty it was, massive. It's pretty big. Yeah. And, I've never been to a conference of that size, actually. Yeah, I was I was impressed. I I spent a lot of time talking with people until I lost my voice, and still, like, there's tons of people that you know I, I didn't get a chance to talk to, and it's impossible. <laughs> yeah, were you again focusing mostly on the hallway conversations? I mean, I'm sure there were some interesting sessions as well. Yeah, right? I, I didn't get a, a ton out of the sessions. You know, like we've talked about before, I think a lot of the the stuff you can you can get online, or you know, there's recordings of the sessions that you can get. Oh, you yeah. know, because you know after the conference uh, as an attendee or sometimes they, they post things publicly. So, you know, there's, there's certain ones that I try to go to, especially if I know the person speaking, but, you know, I, I try to emphasize, you know, actually getting out in the halls and talking with people in person. Cause that's something you can't just go back and do after the event is over. Right. Was there any kind of takeaway that could be interesting, you know, like for us in particular or also anybody, you know, that's listening to that, like the, anything, you know, you learned about iTunes SEO or something like that that was really interesting. Not, not particularly. I think I've, I've got a bunch of notes that I need to go back over. A lot of that stuff I've already made notes of previously, and you know, it's it's good to to hear it and to know to go back and do it. I don't feel like there was anything you know groundbreaking and, and new that I yeah. learned though. But you know, it was still it was still good. I'm definitely yeah. considering going back. So I just uh, booked my plane ticket to Bangkok and. Yeah, I'll be flying in a couple of days. So by the time this episode goes live, I'll be in Bangkok. Been in Europe for a couple of months now and I had a pretty good time, especially traveling and being in Barcelona. But the last couple of weeks in Austria, it has been very nice, but the weather has been, we're not allowed to swear, right? Yeah. So I'll say underwhelming, um, <laughs> kind of like 70, 17 degrees Celsius and cloudy. So really not nice, kind of like fall weather, but definitely not summer weather. So yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back to Asia probably stay in Bangkok for at least a couple of weeks or so. So if anybody listening to this podcast lives in Bangkok, you know, feel free uh, to give me a shot. Cool. I'll be out there in a little more than a month. <laughs> yeah, so looking forward to finally, you know, meeting up in person again and maybe recording this in person. Also, just um, I 
just hit 50,000 downloads with the free version of Easy Pricing Tables today. So I thought that was a pretty nice milestone as well. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, thanks, man. So let's move on to the core of this episode where we are talking about our top nine tools for managing software projects. And the first thing we've got here is version control and in particular Git. Basically, you want to use version control if you're working with a team of developers because it easily allows you to track, you know, who is um, writing and committing, you know, what kind of code. Um, we're not going to dive into version control too much here, but Git is what I'm using. It's probably the most popular um, form of version control there is right now. So there's two popular uh, solutions, Bitbucket and GitHub. And uh, you recently moved from GitHub to Bitbucket. Do you want to... Uh Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, the two most popular ways to host a Git repository is either Bitbucket or GitHub. And I think GitHub is really great. It's probably better than Bitbucket. It's really great if you're doing open source projects where you've you know got like a large team of collaborators. I would definitely recommend using GitHub. But the reason I moved to Bitbucket is because the pricing was just like friendlier for smaller teams. So with GitHub, you basically, if you want to have private repositories that are not public on the internet, you pay by the number of repositories that you have. And, you know, if you have, even if you have like a small amount of plugins that you're working on, you can easily accumulate like 10 or 20 repositories pretty fast. And in that case, I would have to pay $50 a month if I've got 20 repositories. But with Bitpocket, like private repositories are free and you only have to pay if you have more than uh, four or five collaborators in a single repository. So it's basically the pricing is built based on team size and not based on number of repositories. And I think it's fairer pricing because if you have a larger team, you're, you know, you're paying salaries and stuff like that. So, so you're more likely to be able to spend more money anyway. So that is the reason I, I moved. I'm pretty happy with the move, but GitHub probably has a nicer user interface and they also have a pretty nice code search that Bitbucket doesn't have. So most people use Git using the command line. I can use the command line, but I'm just not a huge, you know, command line guy. I'm not really like a big enthusiast. So I'm using this application for Mac called Git Tower. It costs about $50, but I think it's totally worth it. There's a couple of free tools out there as well. So you can check those out. I think GitHub is, has the nicest user interface and it's the best. If you're just using GitHub, um, there's also a free GitHub application that, that I would highly recommend. It's probably the easiest uh, to use out of all of them. Cool. So next thing we're going to talk about is project management tools. And uh, the first one we're going to talk about is Trello. We use this for discussing this podcast. And David, you, you use it a lot for your own teams. Yeah, so basically my entire business is, you know, using Trello. I'm using it for the podcast. I'm using it for, you know, every single project that I'm working on. And if you've never used Trello, you know, definitely check out the website at Trello.com. But basically what it is, is it's a digital whiteboard that you can really, you know, customize completely to your liking. And it's, you know, super, super flexible. Just to give you a quick example, um, you know, the way I'm setting up my Trello is for software development projects, usually I would have like a couple columns that are going, you know, from left to right. And then on each column, you have like a card, which is like the task at hand. And the columns would basically be, you know, next up, which are like the tasks that are next in the development queue, but um, the developers haven't started working on it yet. And then a developer would pick it up from there, move it to in development and unnecessary discussions about, you know, if the developer has questions or anything like that, he would leave a, he would leave a comment on the on the card and then I would just like reply to him and once he's done he's moving it to QA 
and from there, if everything works well, you're going to move it to Launchpad. And once we're ready to uh, release a new version, we just move it to live. And yeah, that, that's kind of that's kind of workflow that I'm using. I would definitely recommend it. The other thing that we've got here is Asana, right? You're, you're using Asana a lot in your business, Doug. Yeah, so I started off with Trello, but I find Asana to be you know more user-friendly for myself. I think some people find it the opposite, and they prefer Trello. I think Trello gives you more... It kind of gives you more freedom, like in the way you can like set your things up and the, the workflow in Asana is very straightforward, which might be better for a lot of use cases. I feel like there's a, a bit more of a learning curve with Asana. There's a lot more, like there's terms and stuff you need to know, whereas Trello, it's, it's pretty intuitive from the start. You just kind of, you see these cards and you move, you know, uh, you move them around, you drag and drop and click on things. And Asana, you've got projects and then you know there's uh, like tasks within that project and then in that task you can have subtasks and getting the terminology right and like you know it takes a little more getting used to but seeing the information uh, on the screen and you know organizing it i i find asana to be easier for me because i can see more on the same screen mm-hmm. and one of the things i i dislike about trello is that you have to click on a card and it kind of you know flips open in order to see more stuff and you know, with Asana, you can uh, you can view the equivalent of a card, and you can see the details on there, but you can still see the other cards. You know, there would be tasks and projects. Right. Yeah. I, I guess so. So one thing with Trello that I'm experiencing, it's not really a big issue, but um, since I do have some boards with a lot of you know those kind of columns, I oftentimes end up having to scroll uh, horizontally, which. You know, because I'm on like a 13-inch, uh, you know, MacBook Air. So if I would have like a 24-inch monitor, it would be amazing. But I think it's not it's not that bad. But I think, you know, different people prefer different things. Definitely, I'd recommend checking out both. I think both of them are free in their basic versions. One thing that I used to do, you know, back in the day, like I, I used to like switch between project and task management tools as a form of procrastination. <laughs> so <laughs> I think once you've set up something that works, you, you're probably just better off sticking to it unless you have some really severe issues. You know, there's probably not much point. If you've got something else that works for you, you know, don't, you know, spend half a day setting up Asana and Trello, you know, just to see if you like it more. Um, there's probably more important things you can be doing in your business. So next thing we've got on our list is support. And the support tool that I use um, with FatCat apps is called SupportB. And... What support B does is it's basically like a unified inbox. So, you know, all the emails that go to support that FatCat apps basically go to my support B inbox. And probably the biggest advantage compared to using Gmail or something like that for it is that if you have a team of multiple people that are looking at support tickets and working on them, it's just much easier to share, you know, to have to set up an account for everybody and have everybody log into support B instead of, you know, having to deal with issues where multiple people have the same login for the same Gmail account. And, you know, um, if you log in from different IPs and different countries, then sometimes, you know, there's issues. So I think, I think that's a big issue that those kind of support tools are solving. Yeah. And you can also assign certain tasks to different people, Yeah, which I think helps. Whereas if you had a single email account you you really don't know who does what unless you have a strict labeling policy exactly yeah and you can leave comments as well so you can really do that in emails you can just leave comments where you talk back and forth you know between the people on your team without the client actually seeing what you're talking about so uh, you're a big fan of help scout right that's the tool that you're using i'm using help scout and i think for for most purposes it's it's almost the same thing as support b there are some minor differences but you know, and, and you can compare the two if, if you're looking for this kind of solution. But essentially, 
you know, this type of solution we think is better than something like a Zendesk or other ticketing system. Usually with those things, you have these extra things in the email or you force your customer to create an account and log into another portal in order to send a support yeah. ticket. And it's just generally uh, a lot less user-friendly for them. And, you know, if they can just send an email to an email address and reply to the email that you send back to them, it's a lot easier for them. And yeah. I think, you know, customers appreciate that. Yeah, so both support B and Helpscout, you know, work on that uh, premise that to the customer it just looks like email. And I think another reason to use some kind of, you know, support inbox type solution is even if you're working on the tickets by yourself, I think it's just nice to have separate inboxes for, you know, your normal email and then support because I, I just find it switching context between those two. I'm, I'm not really a big fan of that. I find it distracting. Yeah, same here. So the next subject we're going to be talking about is communications. First on that list, we've got uh, email and Gmail, which is kind of, you know, an obvious tool, but uh, we both like using Gmail or Google Apps because we use our own domains. I really like Gmail and a lot of people, they don't seem to like Gmail, as in the G I'm talking about the Gmail user interface. I think it's pretty, you know, simple. It's fairly fast. And the biggest thing for me is the keyboard shortcuts. Are you using those, Doug? I don't use them a lot. I, I've only mastered a couple of them. And, you know, I've tried memorizing some of these other ones and they just haven't stuck for me. Uh, yeah. I've I've mostly been trying to reduce the total number of emails. And, you know, I, I tend to spend a lot more time writing individual emails and going through larger numbers. So I don't think, you know, there's as much of a benefit for me for learning the keyboard shortcuts. But over time, I, I do want to get faster at it. I, I think, so So here's the thing with the keyboard shortcuts, and we're going to link up to the keyboard shortcuts in the show notes as well, is you don't have to know all of them. I don't know all of them either, but you can just get started spending like two minutes you know, learning how to archive an email, how to delete an email, you know, how to, what the keyboard shortcut is for writing a new email, those kind of things. So you can just learn like the, you know, the 80, 20, like the, the four or five most common tasks that you do in Gmail. It's going to take you like three or four minutes maximum to learn that. They're really simple. So I would highly recommend doing that. It's not going to, you know, it's not going to change your business. It's not going to turn your business around, but even if you just get like 10 or 20 emails a day or so, um, I think over the course of a couple of years, it's going to, make a huge difference of the amount of time you just like save clicking around and like dragging your mouse cursor around. And part of the reason that I'm actually using support B instead of help scout is that support B supports those Gmail keyboard shortcuts and help scout doesn't seem to. So the only, the only thing that I'm really using email for to communicate with my team is I'm having them send me daily reports where they basically just report back of, you know, what they did today and what kind of challenges they've got encountered. But, um, I'm not really, other than that, I'm not really using it for communications because uh, I've got Trello and I've also got the chat solution in place, which we're going to come to next. So the chat solution that I'm using is Slack and you're using Slack as well, right, Doug? Yeah, I, so I was using HipChat for a while because a lot of people recommended it. And when I heard about Slack, I decided to give that a try and I found Slack to be a lot more intuitive to set up and integrations also a lot easier to set up. Right. So with Slack, you basically have a bunch of chat rooms where you've got your employees or your team in there. And it's it's just kind of like Skype chat, but better and, you know, purposely built for businesses. So that's the main way that I communicate with my team. 
the, so basically we've got like the Trello cards where, you know, we go back and forth about certain things related to development tasks. And then if we need to talk a bit more, then we usually um, hop on Slack and just do some, send off some instant messages there. So you don't have a team right now, but you're still using Slack. Um, why is that? So what I like to use it for is to send notifications that I don't want to get emails for, things that aren't that important or that I don't need to know right away. I just I set up an integration with like MailChimp and uh, Stripe. And so, for mm-hmm. example, when I get a new payment in Stripe, I don't need that to come in on email. But, you know, I like to know, you know, when it comes in and also when a payment clears, then I get a notification in Slack. And same with MailChimp, if I get a new subscriber or if a campaign gets sent out, I like to see those confirmations come in, but yeah. I don't necessarily want to get the email. Yeah. So I'm also using Slack besides as a chat room. I'm also using it kind of as a, you know, status feed notification central for my business. And basically I've got Trello, Bitbucket and support tickets, you know, integrated with Slack. So whenever some kind of changes are there, that goes straight into Slack. And that allows me to, as Doug said, to turn off the email notifications and make it so that I receive less emails, which I think is good. The last thing we've got under communications is Skype. And obviously that's not going to be anything, you know, new or earth shattering to you guys listening. But I thought I would mention it anyways. And the reason is that at this point, I'm very rarely actually talking via voice to my developers. I'm almost exclusively um, going back and forth with them via chat on both Slack and Trello. And I think I was partly inspired of, you know, this approach by how the guys at Automatic do it. The guys at Automatic apparently very rarely, you know, have voice chats as well. They're completely distributed and they're using IRC to talk. Yeah, I think uh, it depends on the size of your your team and the time zones because, you know, scheduling phone calls can or Skype calls can, you know, they can take a while to to find, you know, the right time when when everybody's free. Whereas, you know, if you have uh, some kind of asynchronous chat like that, you know, people can go in as they have time. Yeah, I think in some ways you can express things better when you're typing instead of talking because you can you can like think about it more and express it more clearly. So, yeah, I'm, I'm actually a pretty big fan of written communication at this point. Yeah, you know, on the on the contrary, when when I work with clients, I actually find that setting up a call actually speeds up the process for me. So I've been trying to do that more uh because a lot of times with emails, depending on how web savvy the client is, some things are a lot harder to explain over email and there's a lot of back and forth. Yeah. You know, if you if you get somebody on the phone, you can talk through things and uh sometimes I can make the changes immediately in live and, you know, have them take a look at it if it's especially if it's on like a staging site, I can just, you know, make the CSS change and tell them to refresh the page and see if that's what they wanted. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So last thing on our list is Google Apps. We're, Doug already mentioned that we're both using Google Apps for email hosting. And I'm also using it for, you know, the, the documents feature where I've got like spreadsheets and documents. And I don't use Microsoft products at all as much as possible. So I'm using the Google spreadsheets, Google documents, and I put documents, standard operating procedures, all kinds of stuff that I'm sharing with my team in there. And then I can just easily share it within the organization. Yeah, one one of the nice things about the Google Docs is that you can see revision histories. So, you know, not only can people collaborate on the document, but, you know, if things change, you can always go back and... Oh, that's cool. I actually didn't know that. So, so that's basically um, version control for, you know, documents. That's, that's really yeah. cool. I got to check that out. Okay, so I think that's 
enough um, to recap our top nine tools for managing software projects are Git, Trello, Asana, Support B, Help Scout, Email, Slack, Skype, and Google Apps for Business. Uh, let's move on to the tips and tricks. What do you have to speak for us, Doug? So I finally got around to signing up for LastPass. And, you know, I haven't moved all of my passwords in yet, but so far I I really like the idea of, of having these passwords stored and, you know, not having to remember or go back and find all these uh, long and complex passwords that I use for everything. That's cool. So I'm still using one password and I like it quite a bit, but I think one of the features that LastPass has, which might end up making me switch there at some point, is that you can share certain logins with team members, right? Yeah, that's that's something that I think is is pretty interesting, and you know, I so I I've looked at that feature, and one the nice thing is you can share the password without letting them see what it is. Oh, that's cool. So the user interface I don't think is really that intuitive, but uh, you know, you know, once you get used to it, then I think it's good. So like there's, for example, there's a, when when you store a password and you go to edit that username and password information, there's like a little uh, eye icon. And basically you can click on that and, and see what the password is. And if you share it with somebody, you can prevent them from seeing what the actual password is. Oh, that's cool. So Yeah, so I might have to check that out. And that also fits in with the topic of, you know, like managing software teams and employees, right? Yeah, exactly. Cool. So my tip for the week is um, with WordPress 4.0, which is actually scheduled to go live today, the day of recording. They just introduced like this last new feature, which is relevant to plugin authors. Is it's called plugin icons, and we're linking it up in the show notes. And basically, it lets you you know create a custom icon for your plugin that's gonna show up in the WordPress backend when people are searching for and browsing for plugins. So, you know, it's just another way to make your plugin stand out. So that's it for this week's episode. You can leave a comment or voicemail and find the show notes with links at wpcast.fm slash projects. If you like this episode, you can leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.